0: What's up, Joy Church? How you doing today? Good to see you guys. All right. Come on. Worship was on fire today. Yeah. Woo! Man, we, we warmed it up at first service and I was getting my groove on. Like I'm, I'm basically an MMA fighter when I get into worship, singing songs, because I like to dance. It's like my one opportunity to act like I have some soul, you know. When you're white, you really you can't dance. You just do your best to kind of, you know, move like a bobblehead. That's what I try to do. But at worship, when it comes on, I get my elbows flying, arms up in the air. My wife, you know, people, she's actually been questioned if she's abused. And she said, no, I just stood next to my husband in church. That's actually what happened. Totally joking. Come on. So first service is coffee service. I officially nominate this service as popcorn service. So if you want to bring popcorn in, just enjoy and have a good time. You having a good week? How many of you had a great Easter last last Sunday, right? Yeah great Easter. We are continuing in a series that we started last Sunday called The Comeback, and we're talking about this verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, which says, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life, somebody say life, life. He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you, We sang that song today, The Resurrected King is Resurrecting Me. And that's an awesome, powerful declaration about what we believe as followers of Jesus, that when we put our faith and our trust in Him, God doesn't give us second best. He literally gives us that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside of us. Isn't that awesome? God doesn't give you like a second class spirit. Okay, hey, you receive Jesus, you get something else. No, it's the exact same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And when it says he will give life, in Greek, that word life is zoe. Everybody say zoe. Makes you sound smart. I speak a little Greek, like kebab, right? <laughs> Shish kebab. No, is that even Greek? I don't know. But zoe, which means a, a reanimating, reactivating, resurrection kind of life. This is a, the kind of life that raises a dead thing. This isn't like I went on a run and now I'm a little bit healthier kind of life. This is the kind of life where it's like Frankenstein life. You know what I'm saying? It's alive, right? God's spirit comes inside of us and it raises a dead thing to life. Listen to this. The gospel isn't just to make bad men good. The gospel makes dead men alive and women, to be politically correct, right? You're not excluded. In fact, we'd rather have the women raised to life. The world would be a lot better place. Can I get an amen, ladies? And through Jesus, we can make a comeback to life, resurrection life, to to freedom and to purpose. And this morning, we're gonna talk about freedom. We're gonna talk about the reality that you were born for freedom. I was reading this verse today, meditating on it. In Galatians chapter 5, verse one, it says, "'It is for freedom that Christ set us free.'" Did you know that Jesus died so that you could be free? that Jesus died so that you could have the abundant kind of life and quality of life that that he wants you to have, that he's not wanting to bring you into a religious system by which you wear now, wear new looking kinds of chains. You know, maybe in, in sin, you were wearing the chains of death and darkness and gloom and despair, but now as a follower of Jesus, you get to wear gold chains like a rapper. No, you know, you wear Christian chains. That's not what Jesus died for you to have. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He gave his life so that you could live free, free in your thoughts from anxiety and fear and worry, that you could live free in your actions from sin, from destructive kinds of behaviors, that you could live free in your relationships, that you could live free in your words, that you could be free in every kind of life, not slightly better incrementally, but Zoe life, resurrecting, reanimating new kind of life. My son Jack is the perfect example of freedom and a boy that was born free. Jack is being potty trained right now, and he discovered that there's this amazing bathroom that exists, which is called the backyard. And we're trying to welcome him into freedom, but also provide some good restraint in his freedoms. And so we are trying to get across to him not to be crude, but that it's okay to pee against the fence. But you can't pee in the front yard. Right? So there's freedom, but it's, you know, there's a the quality of freedom here. You can't go pee in the front yard. You can't drop your drawers in the front yard because that's weird. And then people will think we're more hippies than we already are. My wife and I, we, she, well, we didn't do it. She did it. Had a home birth, and so that's because we believe in witchcraft. You know, we're, we're hippies. We, we moved to Eugene, and, uh, and we just embrace this kind of lifestyle, but we have to keep it in the backyard. You know, you can only pee in the backyard. And then Jack decided he wanted to do number two, and he did that in the backyard. And we tried to explain to him, that's too much freedom. You're allowed to, You're allowed to go pee in the backyard, not the front yard, but you can't do number two in the backyard. So anyways, my son was born free. He's We're not having to really teach him to be free. He gets freedom. He doesn't get restraint yet. So we're trying to bring some restraint. Can I get an amen, parents? You are free to be alive and awake and hungry uh, anytime before 9 p.m. After 9 p.m., you are not free. You are free to be in your bed asleep so I can actually see your mother for once, you know, and she can see me. We don't want to see you people. You people go to bed, right? Be free to go to sleep at 9 p.m. God made us for freedom. You know, in in God's garden, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they walked and talked with God, and they were free. There was no even shame to even wear clothes. They walked around naked, right? I can't say the word naked. It's too weird. So naked, I'm just going to say that. They, they, They had no shame. They had perfect relationship with one another. They had perfect relationship with God. They were totally free. We were made for freedom. But you know, we're most free and really only truly free when we are in harmony with our creator. You see, this is the problem that came in because of sin is that we said, well, I know that I was born for freedom. I know that I was born to be free, but we began to pursue freedom from God, not necessarily freedom with God or freedom for God. Catch the difference here that When sin came in, it said, cast off all restraint, cast off all law, cast off all rules, cast off everything that would ever impinge upon any of my desires that I feel naturally or natively because that means I'm not free. No, that's called anarchy and it's not a good thing. In fact, when anarchy prevails, the freedoms of the majority are actually impinged upon. Did you know that in, a, in a, a kingdom where there is a good king, where there's a good ruler, the laws actually make all the citizens more free than they would be without any law at all. But sin says, no, you, you have freedom from God. In other words, get God out of your life. Don't follow him and you will be more free. And the reality is, no, you actually end up less free. And this morning, I wanna talk about those things that, that make us less free. I wanna talk about those things that tend to, to get control over us and actually take us down a path that maybe we didn't intend to. Maybe there's something in your life today that you can think of, whether you are not a follower of Jesus or you are a follower of Jesus, maybe there's something today that you can think of that has control over you. And that thing that you think about, it's probably bad, it's destructive, and it might even result in death, death in relationships, death in your emotions, death in your even physical life, and we call that thing sin. The Bible talks about sin. It's this word Hamartia, which means to miss the mark. You know, sin isn't always, oh, I went and I murdered someone. Please don't do that, just in case anyone gets the wrong idea. No, but sin oftentimes is even just not doing what we should do. Sin is uh, to miss the mark in any way. How many of you have ever missed the mark with life? I have. I call it Monday. Right? Just about every single Monday, wake up, oh my God, what is happening to me? You know, I'm missing the mark. And that's what sin is. And that thing, oftentimes we engage in it and we think we're in control, but we find out that we're not. Now, Jesus said something very interesting in John chapter 8, verse 34. He said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins, everyone who misses the mark, is a slave of sin. You see, there's this deceptive nature to sin that says, you can get in and you can get out. There's this deceptive nature that says you can, you can dabble and then you can be free. And actually, you're free to do that and it won't, it won't stick with you. And I'm here to tell you today, my friends, that's not true at all. That Jesus, who's a pretty smart guy, said anyone who sins, not just, not just anyone, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. You see, sin gives you a lie. It says, well, when you engage in this behavior or you give into your selfishness or your pride or lust or greed or whatever it may be that you feel this desire to do, what happens is you might think you can get in and get out, but you can't, it's gonna put shackles on you. You're gonna bring it home with you. Guys, let me just get into your wheelhouse right now. What you do in private with a computer screen doesn't remain in private. It comes into your soul and you carry it with you into your relationship with your wife. You carry it with you into your future relationship. You can't, there is no such thing as this public and private divide. You are one person. What you do in your body, what you do, what you view, what you see, it goes into your soul. It becomes part of your story. It becomes part of you. Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We live in this illusion of control in life, don't we? We think, we think we're in control. No, I can get in, I can get out. It's It's not true. Last summer or the summer before, I had an opportunity to go on an inner tube and get towed behind a boat. I got a picture uh, up here for you guys. Woo, look at those legs. My goodness. So uh, I don't don't know if you can see here, but this is me, that handsome man on the left-hand side. The more handsome man on the right is my brother, Gino. He's such a stud. And the most handsome is my son, Jack, right in the middle, who is just an amazing dude. I love my son, right? I put my hand on his chest and say, you're my son right? He's so proud of my son. And so we, we're going on the inner tube here, and this is my grandpa, Walt, uh, his boat, and he's going to be here today at second service, which is awesome, so he gets to see this. But have you ever gone on one of these things before? Uh, you know, you get put on these inner tubes, and they say, you're in complete control. You know, you put your thumb up, and we'll go faster. Yay! You put your thumb down, and we'll go slower. Yay! That's for me, that's the good one. And if you go like this, we'll kill it. You're in control. And then what you discover is that every person who owns a boat lives for the moment where they can get you on the end of a rope and say, you know, do this, this, oh yeah, we'll totally listen. Yeah, Yeah, right. Because that person who always is in the boat, they they bought that boat, they polished that boat, they they take that boat to the water, they put gas in it, they do the ridiculous repairs that boats need and all these things, and they live for this moment where you think you're in control, but you are really not. And so you go like this, and they're like, you know, sure, they like that one. And then you go like this, and they, oh, it's funny how their eyes don't work. You know, I'm going like this, you know. They think that means like in the gladiatorial arena. They, they want you to you now put them to death, you know. And you go, kill it. And they said, kill you? No, kill the boat, right? And, you're, and this, is what, this is our before picture. Here's our after picture of this inner tube experience. <laughs> this, this is how... It works with sin. We think we're in control. I'm going to go on a ride on the boat. It's fun. I didn't even think I'd hit that note. <laughs> no, it's not fun. You get, a, you get on and you say, okay, slow down. Mm, kick the throttle up. Kill it. Kill you. Okay. You see, the devil has clearly defined his three-step strategy for your life. Jesus tells us the enemy wants to steal from you, to kill you, to destroy you. The devil's a liar. Comes in a lot of different forms. And he says, look, you can miss the mark and it's not gonna make any difference. You can get in, you can get out. No, it's an illusion. You're not in control. It's in control of you. It's in control of you. And I'm not here to tell you that I don't deal with this because I was born a human. I'm a son of Adam, right? I've inherited this sinful nature that, that wars in me and says, oh, I can be in control. I can get in and, can, and I can get out. But I'm telling you, I've tasted the, the, that fruit and it's not good. It's not good. Sin always lies to you, but there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. It makes you a slave, as Jesus said. Bob Dylan, you know, that amazing prophet of God, he said, you're going to have to serve somebody. You see, there is no category of life in which you have no Lord or no master. You will either bow your knee to the one who loves you, who formed you for purpose and made you for freedom, or you will bow your knee to an arch tyrant of sin and selfishness and pride, and you'll bow your knee to Satan, and ultimately you will go into his destructive judgment at the end of life, but you can bow your knee to the King of Kings, to Jesus. You will have an overlord. You will serve someone, It's but we get a choice. That's the beauty of what Jesus gave us. That though we were slaves to sin, caught up in the kingdom of darkness, unable to change, unable to break free, unable to be uh, joyful and peaceful and happy and enjoy our life that God made us to live, unable to discover purpose, Jesus came and gave his life and said, Look, I've taken the keys of death and hell and the grave, and I've made a way for you to be free. And we have a choice. You will serve someone. Who will that person, who will it be? There's this big misconception about God big wrong idea about Jesus, that if I give my life to him and I become a Christian, that I'll be less free. But that's so not true. God's rules, when he is the king of the kingdom, it's a peaceful kingdom. It's a joyful kingdom. It's a good kingdom. It's a kingdom where little kids can walk on the street at night and not worry about predators. It's a, it's a kingdom where men uh, use their God-given strength to protect and honor and raise up women. Come on. It's a place where God's kingdom is. It's a place of safety. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of prosperity. It's a place of beauty. Come on, where God is king, where Jesus is on the throne. But when he's not on the throne, it's anarchy. And so we're pursuing freedom from God and we end up more slaves than we ever were before. And we think, well, you know, if I'm going to come to Jesus, that means I got to clean my life up and And get good. But I'm here to tell you the beautiful thing about the gospel is that's not what it is about at all. The gospel is this incredible gift, this incredible offer that you can come and give your life to Jesus and and trust in Him. And he's He's gonna change you even from the inside out so that even your desires are different. So that you can come into this kingdom, God's kingdom, and experience freedom and life and purpose. I wanna tell you two things today about how. Can we make a comeback to freedom? How can we do this? And the first thing I want to say is that you cannot do it by trying harder. You simply cannot do it by trying harder. You getting it? Romans chapter 7, Paul says, I love this passage of scripture because he writes so masterfully about this struggle that we feel inside of ourselves. He said, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody ever feel this way? I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. This was Evie this week. She was a miserable person. (laughs) We, We watched a movie called Lion. It's a great movie. Have you seen that movie? Highly recommend it. And these kids are in India and these orphan children are lost on the streets. And I told my my kids, I said, You see, you have a great life. Yes, I am that dad. I will use any means necessary. Those kids, we could send you to India and then you'd know what it was like to live a hard life. Cause Evie will say, This is the worst day ever. I'm like, Oh my gosh. You have an amazing life. You have the world's most handsome father and the world's <laughs> the world's most beautiful mother who are just filled with grace and truth. Always, you know, we just float through life just full of God's spirit and never yell at our kids. Okay, (laughs) forgive me, Jesus, for lying. (laughs) Oh, what a miserable person I am, Paul says. A miserable who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, not by trying harder. The answer is that you need a new heart. The answer is that you need to understand and grasp the gospel of Jesus. That new root equals new fruit. See, Christians, this is what a lot of th- times we do. Oh, I'm struggling with sin. I'm, I'm warring against it. I love God. I, I want to do the right thing. I love my family, but I'm, I'm fighting against what I feel inside of me. This, this nature of sin that still I'm wrestling with it. Oh, I just need to try harder. I just need to do better. Oh, I just need to read this book or read this blog or, or, or just, you know, blow up all my devices or whatever we do and we just, I'm going to try harder. I'm just, I'm going to get it this time. And what we're really doing, if you could see it in the spirit, is we're trying to make an apple tree grow pears. You know, uh, if I just squeeze the tree, it'll no, it's not going to produce different fruit. You got to get rid of that tree, plant a different tree to get the kind of fruit you want. And Jesus says, look, we're not not on a self-help, moral improvement program. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel has one step. Now, there's a lot of steps that we walk through. There's programs like CR, 12-step programs, different things where we take multiple steps to acquire freedom and get our mind right. Come on, right? Those are amazing things. But the gospel has one step. Jesus. Did you get my step? Jesus. When you trust in him, when you give your life to him, when you lay it all on him, when you don't trust in yourself or your ability or your thinking or anything about yourself at all, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter, you let it all go and you trust in Jesus, that one step, my friends, will change you. Because when you give your heart to Jesus, he comes in and he doesn't do a reformation, he does transformation. Jesus doesn't do remodels. He just builds new houses. Jesus doesn't come in and put a fresh coat of paint on so that the thing that is rotten at the core looks nice on the outside. Maybe for you, if you're new to church, you've encountered some Christians that have put a, a new coat of paint on an old house. I'm gonna tell you that maybe you met a Christian that hadn't really encountered the gospel because you shouldn't see something that looks good on the outside, but is nasty on the inside. Come on, if if Christians, I'm just going to preach for a little bit. Is that okay? If you're walking through the week and and you find, like I do, that man, there's actually some anger in here, there's some lust in here, there's some greed in here. You know what I don't do? Oh, I should just probably try to act better. No, get it out of me. Jesus, I don't want to have a coat of paint on this nasty thing. Tear it down and build something new. I need a new heart. I need to think differently. I need to be a different person. Do you ever think, oh, I wish I was like that person? Do you know the only person that you can actually be like is Jesus? See, I can't be like my wife. She's better in every way. Nicer, more Christian, beautiful. No, I can't be like her. I can only be me. But you know who I can be like? I can be like Jesus because Jesus can, can knock this nasty thing out of the way and build something new that looks like him. New heart. New heart. Jesus is the doorway to freedom. Let me give you some handlebars for this message today. Number one, where does it start? have got to admit your need for Jesus. The first step of finding freedom is to know that you're a slave. See, if you're sitting here today and maybe you came to church and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to say, man, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having the courage to come good for you and, and we love having you here and I hope you just feel welcomed and loved man it's so great to have you here but if you're here today and you're looking for for Jesus but but you look at your life and, and you think well I'm still in control that that has to that idea has to be broken you have to realize that you're on the inner tube and that the, the, this isn't working anymore faster slow no no whoever sins is a slave to sin christians maybe you've been a believer for a long time, but you wrestle with sin like we all do. I'm just here to tell you right now, you know, well, trying harder, squeezing your eyes tighter when you pray, it doesn't do anything. Well, if I say Jesus t- 10 times in my prayer instead of four, then the prayer will be different. No, it's not. Well, if I talk to my friend, no, listen, the answer is Jesus. New heart. But you got to say, I have a problem. I admit that there's slavery at work and I need somebody to break this chain. And so it starts there, admitting your need for Jesus. Number two, you have to receive grace from Jesus. Grace is one of those oftentimes words that is is not necessarily misused, but it's used very broadly. So I want to narrow it here for us today. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. A lot of people, especially Christians that have given their life to Jesus but are wrestling with the concept of the gospel, they feel unworthy when they come to God, and thus they feel they need to earn or not receive all that God has for them and only take it incrementally because they're not worthy. I want to tell you a statistic today of the amount of people statistically that are unworthy of Jesus. That statistic is 100%. You know, there is no person that is worthy of Jesus. There is no no one. The Bible says there are none righteous. No, not one. Everybody say none. None. So if you feel unworthy, that's because you are unworthy. But that has nothing to do with what God wants to do for you. Because Jesus gave everything to set you free. And so you have to, yes, admit your need for him. And maybe there's some guilt and some shame and things that come at that moment where you're like, oh, I'm rotten, I'm terrible. Sure, maybe you need to think those thoughts, but then you need to receive grace from, you need to receive God's riches at Christ's expense. Did you know God is laying this incredible table, the very nicest food, the best feast you could ever imagine. It's all right there in front of us. And a lot of times we sit there and we go, I don't know, I guess I'll, I guess I'll have a roll. Maybe I'll have a roll. No, sit down and eat. Why are you standing at the door? It smells good in there. Get in there and sit down. Jesus died so you could eat at his table. A couple years ago, we had a, a guest. This was down in Medford, and my mom is a, a Sicilian Italian mama. She knows how to cook. Can I get an amen? You know, man, I had to lose some weight when I moved to Eugene because my mom just like, we go to her house. They only have three people that live there now, but there's about, a, we could all go and eat there today and there would be plenty and leftovers. Italians go to Costco and they're like, could you, they back up a big semi truck. Beep, 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 just put it all in there. My, my poor dad, you know, is the, the bill on the food. But anyways, my mom, is an amazing cook and she does this thing called long sauce. good about it, I'm just saying. Long sauce is our recipe. It's spaghetti sauce and there's meat in it, meatballs and Italian sausage and spare ribs and it cooks all day and it simmers and it sits and it's good, oh my goodness, we're getting hungry. And my mom, she prepared this great feast and we had this guest that we wanted to come in and really bless our family down in Medford. And so we invited this this person in and my mom put the best, her best. I mean, there was good olive oil and balsamic vinegar to dip your bread in. There was the fresh cheese grated. I mean, over the pasta and the sauce, everything's piping hot. There's all this food. I mean, mountains of pasta, just mountains, and just absolutely delicious, incredible. It's it's the kind of food that you just, you take a bite, and you just go, oh, you just grown. It's almost like working out to eat that food, because you feel like, well, I really did something there. Yeah, you gained nine pounds. Um, an amazing feast, and this person, they kind of like poked at it, and all of us are just like, you know, going to town. And this person kind of poked at it and it had some, you know, ate some and, you know, thank you. And it was kind of like that, like, thanks, thanks. Didn't enjoy, I mean, just said, well, what do you like to eat? Oh, I really like, you know, chain restaurants like Red Rob and Applebee's. And I'm like, give me a, are you serious? must be a British person, right? Just so, so chained up in their cuisine, you know. But uh, God is an Italian, I'm just telling you that right now. And, uh, and this person, you know, it was just, it hurt my spirit because this was the best on the table and this person just didn't enjoy it. And that is what we do with the riches of God provided to us at the highest cost when we refuse to receive the grace of Jesus. You don't bless God when you don't eat the feast that's been prepared for you. You do not bless God. You do not get free. You're not more righteous because you refuse to eat. You're less so, less so. Receive grace, God's riches at Christ's expense from Jesus. Number three, put your trust in Jesus. We admit our need for Jesus. We receive grace from Jesus and we put our trust in Jesus. The one step of the gospel, Jesus. It starts and it ends and it depends upon Jesus. That's it. That's all. Anybody that comes and says, well, it's Jesus plus, is, you need to immediately say, stop. Math is demonic. We don't add plus signs. and you know. No, it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Well, it's Jesus plus eating right. No, it's not. It's just Jesus. Well, it's Jesus plus reading this book. And No, it's Jesus plus going to church every... No, it's just Jesus. Amen. That is the gospel. We put our faith in just Jesus. Anything else is getting in the way of what actually works. Well, I have this, this thing here and we do this and this. No, no, it's just Jesus. That's the starting point, the foundation Every good thing comes from that reality. Jesus is the doorway, and there's not any other doorways into his kingdom. When you come into total freedom, total freedom in God's kingdom, only, you only enter into that through the gateway of Jesus. He's the only gate, the only door, the only way. He told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, the life. He did not say, I am a way, a truth, a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. put your trust in Jesus, all of it. It's like jumping out of an airplane and just believing in that parachute. That's what salvation is, what the gospel is, is to say, I'm jumping out of this airplane and all I believe in is Jesus. On him alone, because in that place is where true resurrection life enters in. In that moment when we put our trust completely in Jesus and nothing else is when God comes in and does what only God can do, what Dr. Phil cannot do, what Oprah cannot do, what you cannot do, what your family cannot do, only what God can do when we trust in Jesus and just Jesus. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you. Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. Just want to praise him. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Just want to praise him. You want to feel freedom? When God himself comes and breaks chains off of you, something changes. The power of the life-giving spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Zoe life, The resurrection life that only can come from God rushes into your circumstance and every chain is broken and every addiction is broken and broken marriages are brought together. I mean, God does amazing stuff when he comes in to set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free and he wants you to be free from anything that's holding you bound. Not so you can be a religious person, so you can know Jesus and everything that you do in his kingdom comes from that relationship and you are completely and totally free. Come on, somebody, don't leave this place without hearing the gospel and getting free today. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you.